Welcome to Weekly Neurosis. Creek's a little rougher than that. Probably. Not to mention it's rye whiskey. <laughs> Whew. Well, welcome in. Welcome. Weekly Neurosis. Welcome. I'm Nate. I am Ethan. I almost said I'm Ethan. I'm Did not you? joking. Well, I just, my brain, it came on the, the tip of my tongue, and then I said, nope, I'll be Nate today. It's going to happen at some point. Yeah. Anyways, this is the uh, the acting episode. Um, got a pretty cool pretty cool episode. I think so. Did some some cool stuff. Um, but in this uh, edition, we're going to review the movie Hail Caesar, the Coen Brothers' most recent release. I didn't, I didn't look up, have them look up the number. It, oh, it's man. It's got to be, it's up there. In their upper teens or maybe even 20. I mean, it's, they've made a lot of movies. Yeah. They're, they are, they are veterans of the, the, the film world. Yeah. And, um, that was about actors and the, the movie biz. We'll get into that. And our album ties in with that. And it is This Is Acting by the artist Sia. Um, and our beer of the week is Surly Overrated West Coast Style IPA. Yeah. And I picked this out because, I mean, the word overrated is often used when people are talking about movies mm -hmm. in some capacity. Um, so I, I don't know, I thought, thought it was appropriate. I don't like to use the word overrated because I feel like it's kind of condescending in a way, but I'm pretty sure I, I say it all the time without knowing it. So I don't know. But yeah, people often say movies are overrated and we don't necessarily think anything we're talking about today is overrated, but uh, it connects a little bit. Yeah, and we actually didn't, we, we nixed uh, the most overrated for the our best of 2015. We were, I, was, I was proposing do an overrated and, and I agree with you, it's kind of bad to call something that. Yeah, I think everything yeah. has its worth on some. There's level. always an overrated thing, and it's if you look at like Pitchfork.com for their best albums, whenever they have their user submitted lists, they always have their most their best albums of the year, and then their most overrated, and the number one is almost always the same on both lists, yeah. which is totally bonkers to me. But I just I don't know. Don't don't waste your time on the negativity. I think that's that's a good idea. Not to mention the internet kind of arms everyone with those opinions. But plus, what does overrated mean, really? We could talk about this for an hour. So I guess but, the thing is, you can we had and we had an episode anticipation. If you anticipate something and maybe it doesn't meet your status quo, I think that's your fucking problem. But I think when you say something's overrated, you're saying, well, critics liked it and I didn't. It's yeah. overrated. And I guess sure that's a thing, but who cares? Yeah. If you like something, you like something. There shouldn't be a blueprint for something being good or bad. Yeah. I, and I, that's why we were just talking off air about reviews for the, the movie we were going to review. And I said I usually stray away from reading reviews mm -hmm. just to kind of make sure I have a fresh opinion on it. And I'm giving you, you know, my take versus my take. And I don't yeah. know what, who a popular movie critic is anymore. Uh, Rex Reed. He's, yep. all, he's okay. the worst critic. I, if you're listening to Rex Reed, I don't like you and you shouldn't get paid. They shouldn't pay you to watch movies and review them if you leave 20 minutes into the movie and still write a review for the movie and get a, give it an F. You're a bad critic. That's bad. <laughs> you're bad. Bad critic. practice. Yeah. But yeah, overrated West Coast style IPA from Surly Brewing Company. I think this is our second beer from Surly. Mm -hmm. But it's a, yeah, it's a hoppy pale ale. It's an IPA, which is, I think, generally our favorite style of beer. Yeah. Definitely, and, uh, definitely mine. Let's mm. give this a... Give it a taste. I always say try it on for size. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I've had this before, but it's a pretty basic, mm -hmm. I think it's not basic IPA. It's kind of a citrusy grapefruit type. Yeah, I get, I get a lot of sweet from it. Yeah, Very I really I, I enjoy it. It's the kind of IPA I would choose frequently. So, so I don't yeah. think this beer is overrated. No, not at all. I like it. <laughs> I think the naming was intentional, but certainly yeah, they, yeah. They're, they're cool. Sure. Uh, they kind of, I think... We had one other beer from them. Wasn't it Cynic? Cynic Ale. Cynic Ale, That's yep. Great. And um, 
I kind of mentioned that episode. They just appeared on this, the Wisconsin beer scene kind of out of the blue. but Yeah, for sure. Welcome edition. But you, you may not know this, but this week the National Depression like Index, or how, how depressed Americans are, goes way up. It's NFL football. Really? Because it's, it's over? It's done. It's over. That's kind of sad. That's I'm, I'm depressed this week, though, but it has nothing to do with football. It's because I have to work so much. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm depressed. I'm not depressed. I'm in a good I, spot. We're here recording. I'm having a good time. Yeah. Oh, I'm not really depressed. I'm just pissed that I have to go home and sleep immediately after this and, and then wake, wake up, up and work for like 11 hours. Oof. Oh, well. Nothing fun about that. But anyhow, the definition of the word acting, it's a noun, and it's the art or occupation of performing in plays, movies, or television productions. So what does acting mean to you, Ethan? Um, well, I mean, when you're acting, you're making pretend, you're making believe, you're not being who you are, uh, you're being somebody or something you're not. And I guess if we're staying focused on our things, if you're acting in a movie or a play or something like that, you can technically do it good or bad. But even when you're saying somebody's a good actor or a bad actor, or this is a good performance or a bad performance, I don't necessarily think it's as simple as that because a lot of times acting can be put into context if you're watching something that's kind of supposed to be a b movie or tongue-in-cheek maybe bad acting is actually good for that product so it can be kind of a complex thing and i you know going back to our just our mini discussion about things being overrated mm -hmm. with acting i don't think it's really necessarily easy to say there's good and bad performances necessarily mm -hmm. it's tough it's cool it's uh, there's a lot of subjectivity to it yeah, and I think it's a very interesting concept because I always walk the line with actors who are acting of are they being themselves or have they created this alter ego and this, this character. I know Daniel Day-Lewis is really famous for creating these people. He becomes a different person, mm -hmm. um, whereas other people, I think I'd have to say Will Ferrell is a good example. I think he's just doing Will Ferrell, and it works. People enjoy watching his films. Um, but it's, I think it's a tremendous skill. I agree. I mean, I'm, uh, actors amaze me. And, uh, yeah, like you said, Daniel Day-Lewis is the kind of guy who you can know what he looks like, but when you see him act, when you see him on the screen, you just don't see Daniel Day-Lewis, you see his character. And I think if you need to kind of do a rigid line in the sand of good versus bad acting, I think that's the best way to do it is say, do I see this person, the actor, or do I see the character? whether it's goofy or campy or serious, mm -hmm. what have you, as long as it works, as long as you believe what's happening. I think that's what acting should be. Yeah. And I always question, too, if acting is, like, something you can learn or if you're just born with it. I think, it, to me, it's something you can learn. Yeah. I feel like you can, you or I, if, if we got on camera, we probably wouldn't be all natural. But I think over time, you could, through classes, like, taking classes or getting, you know, lessons, you could create yourself into an actor you know i don't Probably. know if i'm wrong in thinking that i don't know the first yeah. thing about I, I think so i think some people are, are yeah are better at it than others but i think it's uh like most jobs i think there's a level of uh yeah you know nurture to it where you can learn it in one capacity or another but some people are probably probably don't have to take a single lesson and they're just good at it yeah i was uh my only acting experience is i was curt in the sound of music <laughs> Believe it or not. I've never acted in anything, I don't think. Yeah, that was my one. I was a stagehand in a high school play once, and the closest I ever got to acting was somebody forgot to put a bench out on, on the stage before the curtain opened. So I grabbed the bench, and I ran out there, and the light went on when I was about a quarter away off the stage. So there was I was standing there in like my black outfit, and I just had to slowly back off stage, and people were kind of snickering and laughing a little bit. I felt really stupid, but it happens. Yeah. That's part of part of the game. Yeah. So um, on to our kind of general news items. Obviously, Super Bowl Fifty was was this past weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, a massive media circus. I think is the best. It's basically a like a horse and pony show times like a million now. Probably the biggest sporting event in the world every year. I would say for coverage, yes, the viewership they they can't beat the World Cup final. That's the That's one of the season. most. Look at you. Yes. I like I like football, not football. Football, not football. No, but um, that. But I think just in general, from media coverage and like the depth to which it's covered, I think that's the most uh, the biggest media event of the year. But obviously, the big 
two questions people ask are, did you watch the game? And then what was your favorite commercial this year? The, I thought the crop was kind of mediocre. I don't know. I don't really best. care. <laughs> yeah. What was your favorite commercial, though? Uh, I like the Doritos one where the... Uh, wife was in for the for her ultrasound, and the husband was like eating a bag of Doritos, waving it side to side. That was pretty funny how that ended. If you haven't seen it, look that one up. But yeah. that was really funny to me. And I like simple, funny ones. Some people like emotional ones, but that was entertaining to me. Yeah, and for me, it was the just the case. It sounds so stupid, but the case <laughs> is it a case of lupa? No idea. Totally made up word. It's like this totally made up word. It's a Taco Bell thing that's literally like cheese inside of cheese inside it's like just dumb but the ad was i thought was really fast paced and, and quite clever for the the something we'll look it up in a break and come back sure. to it but um big news was it today or yesterday i think it was today today just announced the next installment in the harry potter series sort of yeah we're kind of we're i'm not we're, sure we're trying to i think there's some details that need to get cleaned up on this but yeah ultimately it sounds like the eighth entry in the harry potter series is going to be coming out mm -hmm. so it's called what is it called here uh harry potter and the cursed child parts one and two parts one and two and it seems to be based on a stage play that comes out sometime in july and uh it's not written by jk rowling uh, it's written by a fellow named jack thorne but written in collaboration with jk rowling uh, so I don't know. I'm, I don't know. Like, I want to hear more details about it. Cause is it actually part eight or is it an offshoot? It sounds like it's going to be about Harry Potter mm -hmm. and his life afterwards, but also have some flashback stuff. Yeah. And you're saying off air that you thought that it ended well, the yeah. way that it was. Like most series like this, like it's cool. I'm excited to see more of it. I grew up with Harry Potter. I'm rereading the books now for the first time in a while. And, uh, this is just one of those things where the way it ended with kind of that, I don't know, I'm not going to spoil it, but it kind of has a, it has a pretty positive ending and it, it's kind of invokes that sense of awe and that sense of, you know, life going on kind of thing in the, no matter what the state of the world is. And I kind of like finishing a series that was so long and detailed and just kind of knowing like, wow, it keeps going. Even when the, when I close the last page of the book, you know, it feels like a real place somewhere. And for them over t almost 10 years later, I think, to come back and release one more book. I mean, that's that's great and that's exciting and all, but it just it takes away a little bit of the ending. Yeah. So, but I guess uh, we should wait to see how it turns out, but I'm always skeptical about these kind of things. Yeah, especially with the ad. I think this was kind of inevitable with how much of a moneymaker the book was that the business side of the house would kind of take effect. I mean, I hope that's not the case, but yeah, you never know. You never know, and that's what's got me worried about it is how, I mean, how much heart is actually in it, especially since Rowling isn't the main... Which is odd, because she, I mean, I'm assuming she had, like, collaborators towards the end. Maybe. But, yeah, maybe she wrote it herself, but, yeah, we'll see, and more details coming in. It was just, I think it was just announced today, because it was right yeah. up there in a lot of the different uh, feeds that I do follow, but... Yeah. Once again, this is the acting episode. We're going to be uh, up next. We'll review Hail Caesar, the Coen Brothers' new movie. Um, and uh, coming up in our album of the week, we'll be reviewing This Is Acting by Sia, which will be hearing music in the breaks from that album. And again, our beer of the week, Surly Overrated West Coast Style IPA. Not an overrated beer. I actually kind of like this. So Weekly Neurosis, we'll be right back. back in weekly neurosis this is the acting episode mm -hmm. we need to act like professional podcasters we're not we're not we're yeah. amateurs at best yeah. moving up in in class though with the mixer new mics yes around the around the bend yes um but anyways now we're on to movie of the week uh this week it was hail caesar ethan take it away yes okay so hail caesar uh follows a day in the life of a man named Eddie Mannix, who is a Hollywood fixer for Capitol Pictures in the 1950s. His job is to clean up and solve problems for big names and stars in the industry. 
Uh, when the studio star Baird Whitlock disappears, uh, Eddie Mannix has to deal with more than just the fix. And he gets caught up into quite the ridiculous situation. Yeah. Uh, uh, this has an incredible all-star cast uh, starring uh, mainly Josh Brolin, George Clooney, Alden Ehrenreich, who hasn't been in a lot of stuff, but I think we will see him in a lot of stuff in the future. Uh, Ralph Fiennes, Voldemort himself, uh, Jonah Hill, Scarlett Johansson, Francis McDormand, Tilda Swinton, and Channing Tatum. Uh, this was directed by the now famous Joel and Ethan Cohen, produced by Joel and Ethan Cohen, Tim Bevan, and Eric Fellner. Music by Carter Burwell and cinematography by the legendary Roger Deakins, who's one of the best in the industry. Um, this uh, principal photography of this film began on November 10th, 2014. It was shot at the Los Angeles studios in West Hollywood, California. Uh, locations also include Los Angeles City Hall, Los Angeles Theater, and Pasadena. And a couple of other notes here. The Coen brothers had written this project originally in 2004 with the film originally being about actors in a play about ancient Rome, but the project was shelved until 2013 when they picked it back up again. And the film was produced for a pretty modest $22 million budget. So, Nate, what did you think? I thought it was a really good movie. I think the first thing I have to say about this movie is this was very distinctly a Coen Brothers movie. Mm -hmm. Kind of to the 10th degree. It was fast moving. The humor came at you quickly. But it was, again, those little lightning shots that they do with these kind of quirky characters. And I've always likened their storytelling to taking like a, a box of toys that are mismatched. They take it together. They, they're all related to something somehow, but they kind of put that together and create these little bit actors. But mm -hmm. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was very kind of highbrow humor in a lot of different mm -hmm. ways. Um, but at the end of the day, just a wonky story that did it kind of close the loop and make sense? I don't really know. I, I guess it kind of did, but mm -hmm. really, I, thought, I, I loved it. I like everything they do, though. So Yeah, I mean, I'm maybe a little biased, too, because I kind of felt bad for some people when we were in the theater seeing this yeah. because like you said the humor is highbrow a lot of people are going to walk away from this calling it highfalutin pretentious garbage not at anybody's fault but this their brand of humor here it's very uh for lack of a better term it's very kind of highly educated stuff there's tons of references to you know film of yesterday's from the 40s and 50s there's philosophical references religious references all the humor is based on that and a lot of situations are kind of based on understanding the context of the 1950s cinema world so unfortunately i think a lot of the humor is going to fall totally flat for some people which mm -hmm. is no fault of theirs it's just a very kind of pointed way to make a movie and i'm right with you though i i love this movie i thought it was really really funny i thought it made kind of an interesting point that i'm not really sure what the how the point ended yeah about movies in general and hollywood and the people in it but uh yeah i, I thought this was just awesome yeah and it kind of again they throughout their careers the coen brothers have been good at capturing a period of time mm -hmm. and making it feel like you're there like the characters are from there um i think josh brolin's casting as the main character was perfect because he has this edge to him and i haven't really seen him that you know on par in a while but he, he just, you know, he just kind of, he, he was good in that role and everyone else around them. Uh, but again, it came, and the humor too, I think it's it's highbrow A and B, it comes at you very quick. Yeah. So you have to be like on your toes. I don't think you could really watch this movie kind of casually. You have to be in it and, and very kind of somewhat, not laser focused, but right. very focused because <laughs> it's it comes at you like this. Right. And and but it's it's hilarious. there were some absolutely hysterical moments. That's the first time I think I've broken up like broken down laughing in yeah. the theater in a long time. Yeah, there was a couple moments in this that were just absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, it moves at just a lightning lightning pace mm -hmm. and it's one of those things where again, it harkens back to the movies of the time period it's representing, the fast talking, slang using people and a lot of the slang that was used in this I didn't understand what they were meaning. Yeah. But it was still entertaining to me, uh, you know, nonetheless. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think me and you kind of will, will stand apart because I think a lot of people 
who don't watch a lot of movies or don't necessarily understand a lot about film history aren't going to like this. And that makes me sound like a just a well, pre- yeah, it that's... makes me sound like a pretentious douchebag saying that, but I don't mean it in a bad way because there's no reason for most people who go and watch movies to know these things. Yeah. So this is a movie made for a smaller audience, and unfortunately, with all these huge name actors in it, it's going to attract a, somewhat of a general audience, and it's just not the movie for those people. Because if you're used to Coen Brothers humor, it's very first off, it's dark. It usually is. It, it takes like a second to get. Unless you're kind of used to that, but mm-hmm. yeah, and I felt kind of bad too thinking about you know th- this film and and kind of saying well I really liked it but the masses probably wouldn't. The theater we were in was pretty quiet outside yeah. of there's maybe five or six people in there who were laughing throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie, but a lot of people were just watching it like what is this? Yeah, and it was but, kind of awkward because like I get it, I thought it was funny, but I also understand like why people wouldn't think this is funny. Yeah, so. I think before we go any further, we should both say that we liked this movie, mm-hmm. but you've been warned. If yep. you don't kind of know the Coen brothers' sense of humor, or if you've seen movies like The Big Lebowski, Burn After Reading, uh, even some of their more serious stuff like Miller's Crossing, if you haven't seen those, or if you have seen them and didn't like them, this probably isn't going to be your deal. No. So, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much that's that kind of sums it up. But well, that doesn't sum it up. But no, no, no. Just in general, that's right. all. That's the review. That's it. Right. Because I think no, we but... should we should talk about the style of the movie too, right? Yep. Because they nailed it uh, with the period piece elements and the, everything from the set designs to the costumes. It was on point a hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. And for being only a twenty-two million dollar budget, it seemed like it would have cost like twice that at least. Well, and you, Ralph. How do you say his last name? Ralph Fiennes. Fiennes. Like, the movie, and this is not really a spoiler, but the movie that he's directing, because he's a director in the movie, is so, like, <laughs> hits the po- on point with, like, some of the 1950s like, cinema that you see, mm-hmm. that you're just like, how is this a film? It's so fucking boring. Like, they For, just, they yeah. just nailed it. And then the feeling of, like, being an actor in that, they, they capture that, too, oh. like, like, so perfectly, because it's, like... There's like 50 people. They'd be like, it's like us sitting here recording and having like 10 people just sitting there staring at us. Yeah. Like with headphones analyzing every move. It's it's awkward. And they they captured that really well. Yeah, big time. There's a lot of that one scene in particular with Ralph Fiennes directing uh, mm-hmm. Alan uh, Ehrenreich's character. Genius. That was just where he's kind of, his character is kind of this guy who plays these kind of spaghetti western characters who doesn't have a lot of dialogue and he's got a real thick southern drawl and he tries to mimic a British accent and uh, he's trying to coach his act. I mean, it's absolutely hilarious and it's to- it's totally ridiculous and there's a lot, that's just one of many kind of vignettes in this movie and in a lot of ways, especially in the first half of this movie, it kind of just moves from scene to scene to scene, all like constantly introducing new characters and it, I, I, I have to see the movie again because some of it I'm trying to think like what, like, how does that come back around to the bigger story well, they're telling? They're, they're really synonymous, the Coen brothers are, with with introducing characters that are a, totally ridiculous. Like, just out there. They're just these... Idiosyncratic, ridiculous people. <laughs> people that don't... It doesn't make sense. But then, and they did it again. I think The Big Lebowski, they do that. Okay. I'd say to some extent, No Country for Old Men, they Ra- kind of do yeah. that. Yeah, Raising Arizona, Raising they do Arizona. that. Raising Arizona. And with all their films, there's always these, like, whack job characters. And this was, like... I thought a little bit more until you said after we saw it, it was like the Coen Brothers on crack, which yeah. I kind of, I kind of, I still, that's what sticks with me with this film. Yeah, but. it was totally them going as quirky and goofy as possible. Because I do think in a lot of ways it's one of their lighter movies. There's really mm-hmm. no violence or, or any anything heavy going on in the movie. There's some heavy concepts, but they're treated with, there's some like, in, in some ways this movie is a parody of 1950s cinema. But it's doing it in a way that's supposed to kind of paint this picture about what the point of movies are. And that, in one of the ways, one of the things I love about this is how this movie is kind of telling the audience what a movie can mean to some people. And how all the different people who contribute to that have different ideas and they don't always agree. The studio wants to do one thing or the writers want to do another or the actors interpret in this way. And what is the final product? And there's Mm -hmm. really a lot of kind of actually really interesting, thought-provoking messages in this movie about the nature of making movies and that's one of the things I, I liked about it but they don't really try to bring that point together until the very end of the movie mm-hmm. which kind of makes 
the first viewing, for me at least, kind of a puzzling one, and I immediately wanted to see it again. Like, yeah. I could have hit replay on this and watched it again, because I, I thought it was funny enough that uh, I could do that. Yeah, I think they, to me, the movie industry in itself, I mean, we, we watch a lot of movies, we, we see the end product. I have to think the process of making a film is just, like, ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, it's totally messed up, and there's all this stuff going on, and I think they kind of captured that by following the day in the life of of Maddox, the main the main sure. character, because he is just all over the place, doing all these bizarre things. He's in these bizarre places, talking to weird people, and he's like a million different people throughout the day, and that you see. And right, and he gets caught up in the one, you know, like we had said that the main actor in this movie called Hail Caesar, mm -hmm. which is kind of the centerpiece in this movie, he gets kidnapped by these strange guys who call themselves the Future, and he's trying to. Sabot or not he's trying to salvage the situation before the press gets a hold of it and it's it just goes and goes and goes and I was just kind of like where is this going I had mm -hmm. no idea where it was going and that's and in the a feeling first 30 minutes you it's just like point 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 and you're just kind of left sitting there like what what are they gonna do what's gonna how's this gonna come around but right Gee, I thought it was fairly genius in how they kind of laid out, especially the humor, because it wasn't really designed to be a humorous plot, but they, they, they insert it in a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of movie that I see being a huge cult movie in like five years and being criticized and analyzed through these long papers and you know short films on YouTube of people picking it apart. And I'm like I'm one of the people who I'm gonna watch this again and again. I love this movie. The only thing I can say I didn't care. Maybe it was a little bit too long in some parts, mm -hmm. so it could have been trimmed up. But I loved it. I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. Wow. Oh yeah, and I was kind of the same boat. I thought that it did drag certain points on a little bit too much. Um, can't get into detail. Spoiler free. But no, no. but I gave it an eight point five. Nice. I thought I agree with you though that it's gonna resonate with people and. Again, not trying to sound pretentious, but if you're a very intelligent film viewer, if you've seen a lot of movies, you're going to watch this and go... It's made for what, you. What did I just watch? And you're, if yeah. you don't leave it with that reaction, that's fine. Yeah. But that's what I got. It was like, what did I just see? And I, I told you I woke up. I wake up very early in the morning. I woke up early in the morning and I walked downstairs and I was waiting for my coffee to be. I was like, <laughs> what did I watch? I was just like... <laughs> What the hell? And I had to like kind of look back and, and kind of think back to the notes I took. But Yeah, dude, I totally agree. And, and it's kind of a similar case to when The Big Lebowski came out, which is yeah. maybe my favorite movie. That came out right after Fargo came out, which was this huge hit with audiences, with critics. It was in for Best Picture at the Oscars and all this thing. Well, the, the, the Coen brothers haven't necessarily made a movie, but I think the movie they did before this was Inside Lewin Davis. Mm -hmm. Well, that wasn't the huge hit that Fargo was. It was more of a critical hit. And I just feel like, just like The Big Lebowski, people just kind of don't know what to make of this. People yep. don't know what to make of it. And like you said, it's going to be made for people who know more about cinema. But the movie even makes a point of saying that if you don't get this highbrow, referency crap in movies... There's nothing wrong with that. That's mm -hmm. some guy in Hollywood writing a movie who he thinks is so smart, but then nobody cares about. That's totally, perfectly fine. Hollywood thinks it's super important, and when something comes out that they think has something to say and people don't care, there's some writer in a room stewing somewhere. But mm -hmm. cinemas are, movies are for everybody, and this movie is not for everybody. And I just think it kind of carves its own weird little niche in, in modern day movies. Yeah. So it's not for everybody, for sure. Yeah. To me, the I mean, Fargo is like one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. And I, I've seen that movie at least a hundred times. The Fargo poster the up Fargo there. poster in here. Yeah. Definitely huge. But it, again, they're so good at capturing this time, like this period of time. And they've done it again and again and again, and it works. Absolutely. Even with Inside uh, Lou and Davis, it was like mm -hmm. that time in, in New York when the whole like... Folk Revol revolution. Folk revolution was going. They captured it so brilliantly. Absolutely. That got a Criterion release just recently. Yes, I'm it? actually. I want to buy it. And anybody going back to Star Wars, anybody who's seen the new Star Wars movie, which is probably everybody on the planet, uh, Kylo Ren and the main and Poe Dameron sing a song together in that movie, mm -hmm. and it's really weird in hindsight because it's about being shot into outer space, and there's all kinds of weird um, Star Wars mashups on YouTube now using that song. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Isn't that the weirdest thing? I think the Cone Brothers are wizards from the future. I That's my theory are. at this point. 
And yeah, that guy, Adam, isn't his name Adam Glover? Adam Driver. Adam Driver. He's grown on me a little bit. I'm like, you know, buddy, I'll, Told give, you, man. You sh- I'll give you a shot. <laughs> I was like, f- when I saw him as Kylo Ren, I was just like, fuck that. I was like, I can't believe this. And But yeah, I did watch the HBO series Girls where he plays a total weirdo. Hipster. They're all hipsters in that show. Yeah. Why don't your clothes fit? That's what I kept asking about that show. Cool. None of their clothes fit. Cool. Interesting. But anyhow... 9.0, 8.5. My favorite movie of 2016 so far. It's early. It's very early. It's but very I, early. Hey, it's true, though, what I just said That's about true. myself. Yeah. So. But um, anyhow, the movies that are going to be coming out throughout this year were all pretty much featured in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the, Born, the, the new Bourne movie, which I'm kind of excited about. Which, did you know about that? Last, okay. On IMDb, and I'll swear, and I might be wrong, two weeks ago it was labeled as unnamed Matt Damon Jason Bourne project. Okay. So this is like they. I'm guessing they filmed like one scene, and we're like, yeah, we got to put it. Because I had absolutely no idea there was another one of these coming out. So when they showed that trailer during the Super Bowl, I was like, what? It got pushed up. I think. I think it was originally it was originally farther out because I think Matt Damon was doing other stuff. But they, yeah, they, they now have it up and running. Crazy. I'm kind of interested, and I, I think I'm going to pair side-by-side side that and Assassin's Creed with Michael Fassbender. It's kind of like the superhero-ish, yeah. but humanoid type type thing. But that was one of them. Uh, the new Independence Day Resurgence, which will I'm sure that will make possibly make its way into this show. I would hope so, man. I'm there. Yeah, I'm, I'm a that movie was like I love the, formative the, for me in a way. Big time, yeah. But um, Clo- Ten Cloverfield Lane, which I was jacked. I can't believe that it's that some was... sort of J.J. Uh, Abrams who is not directing the movie, mm-hmm. like some people think. He was a producer. It's yeah. actually a first-time director. It's what did he call it? Like a blood cousin to Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. And after seeing this new trailer in the Super Bowl, I was excited before, but now I'm like real excited. Yeah. Because <laughs> this looks badass. I literally saw a bad robot pop up and I was like, bad robot? Like I was just like, what? But um, that, that's another one. X-Men Apocalypse, Jungle Book, Gods of Egypt. That looks like a movie I need to be drunk to see. Yeah. Because it looks bad, but like the kind of bad I like. That might be a that might be a drunk episode. Yeah, because like I the Resident Evil movies, they're bad, but I love them, and mm-hmm. I would prefer to be intoxicated while watching them. And this looks like that kind of movie. Mila Jovovich, man, yes, makes those films. Deadpool, uh, Batman versus Superman, which I'm very curious about. Mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two, um, Captain America: Civil War, and The Secret Life of Pets. Yeah. So that, those are the movies that were featured. Those are the big, the big time releases. Yeah. That'll kind of get that. Any, and we kind of went through, but what are you most excited about? Well, Deadpool, and that comes out in a couple of days here. Yep. Pumped about that. Batman vs. Superman, just because I'm, I'm curious to see what they're actually doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, Captain America Civil War, like all the Marvel movies. Uh, and, you know, Secret Life of Pets looks cute. So, that yeah. too, I suppose. But I, I didn't see the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Um. So I guess I can't comment on that. The X-Men movies, I, I, I enjoy them. But uh, I don't know. I don't get excited about them for some reason. And Jungle Book, eh, cool. But I don't know. Again, like a, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, good crop of movies. Yeah. I think, hopefully. Hopefully. I hope they're all good. Who yeah. are you? Which ones I mean, do you want to see? For me, I think it's got to be the Bourne. I'm a huge Jason oh, sure. Bourne series. That's a big one. Independence Day. The X-Men movies, my issue with them, and this isn't like necessarily that it's like a negative on them, is that I always feel like when a new movie comes out, I have to go watch the other ones to kind of figure out like where are we in the story again. Because I wasn't like raised with comic books, right. so I don't, and I'm not really like, I can't, couldn't, I don't think I'd, you read a comic book kind of like sideways, right? What isn't do you mean? Do I, don't, I honestly, I've only like, I'm not, I don't think I've ever read a like comic li- book. Like literally? Yeah. What do you mean sideways? Weren't they like, aren't they like boom, boom, boom? There's like little boxes you follow? Yeah. This probably makes me sound like a total... Just like a normal lot. book. You re- read it left to okay. right. If that, the only one I ever read was Watchmen, but it was like almost full page things and it was divided up. So maybe I have read well, it. Well, yeah, read because if you've, re- if you've read Watchmen, that was originally published, I think, in 10 issues. And if you read it now, they just put it all in one book. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. 
Yeah. But that's that's the one I always need to catch up. Honestly, got Jungle Book, it's like that that, that path has been crossed. Yeah. You know, we'll you know I will what... say, though, that when Disney redid Cinderella last year, yeah. I actually really liked that movie. Yeah. So, who knows? Could be cool. I know it's got uh, John Favreau directing, who did the first two Iron Mans and Chef. Uh, and I know it's got a, it's got I mean, Margot Robbie is one of the voices in it, and I'm, I mean, I like her. <laughs> <laughs> There's a slight pause in your in your breath there, but yeah. but yeah. So again, the the ones that have kind of popped up ahead of time, the, these are all big budget. That's why they're getting advertised on the Super Bowl, which is mm-hmm. a, a five million dollar advertising spot right off the top. Yep. So these are going to be the big ones, but um, we'll see. So onto uh, award seasons, the Directors Guild. Mm-hmm. Was announced. The winners were announced. The winners. Yes, we had previously talked about the nominees, and this was really the last major award before the Oscars, which aren't this next weekend, but I believe that, that they might be two weeks away yet. Okay. Um, but the winner for Best Director at the Directors Guild was Alejandro Alejandro Iñárritu for The Revenant. Um, so, what does that mean for the Oscars? Nobody knows. Again, nobody knows what's going on. I think it's all over the place. I think maybe the Revenant and Spotlight have edges to win major awards, but uh, I, I just don't know at this mm-hmm. point. But congrats to him on on his victory, uh, because I I mean he would have been my pick. I think, uh, and I'm rooting for the Revenant. I'm rooting for a lot of movies this year, and that's a good feeling. But uh, yes, the Revenant won the Directors Guild Award, but uh, who knows what'll happen at the Academy? Awards. Well, I'll tell you one thing. There's there's no losers because they announced today about the gift baskets. Mm-hmm. That, okay, so just to put, <laughs> and we'll, we'll put this ahead of time, is that this is only given to the main acting and directing categories. Right. So they get... So the a, richest people get the... The richest people get the greatest. I think they said, shit. like, the um, minor categories get, like, a, a home, like, audio system. Basically, it's like a, something from Vizio, but um, but Jeez. this year it's two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars in a gift basket, ten day f- uh, first class trip to Israel, one year worth of unlimited Audi car rentals, uh, fifteen day walking tour of Japan, uh, three private training sessions with some celebrity trainer, uh, all therapy laser skin treatment. What is this? I have no idea. I know that it's kind of like a skin peel. All th- I'm Googling it. Do it. A lifetime supply of skin creams from Larisa, a Flit- Fit Club TB Ultimate Fitness Package in a private villa, which confused the bejesus out of me. So apparently you're getting this fitness in, a, in some private villa. Uh, Haze Dual, th- or Haze Dual V3 Vaporizer and a $5,000 home spot. So this, is that like an e-cig? Yep. It's like worth 250 So bucks. they just assume that everybody who wins an Oscar... I guess if Leo wins, he's in a known vapor. Yep. That's cool, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, and that's kind of the tip of the iceberg. There's a whole bunch of fringe stuff that you get. Freaking ridiculous. Okay, so I just looked up all therapy. And all therapy is the only FDA-cleared procedure to non-invasively lift the eyebrow, neck, and th- under chin. So... All therapy... Some sort of face facelift without surgery. It's probably like some weird horse semen on your face. <laughs> Straight to the horse semen. <laughs> kind of weird chemicals up your nose. But again, this, these are only given to the main acting and directing. These are the, like you said, the richest people. Yeah, it's weird. Whatever. You think Whatever. isn't being nominated an Oscar? Hmm? No. And I, don't, I guess they do this to make sure that people like show up. I think they're obligated to, because I'm pretty sure if you're in a movie that gets nominated, if you get nominated for a movie or in, and it's a major mo- movie for a major studio, you probably signed a contract, and that contract probably says if you get nominated, you're representing us, mm-hmm. and only us. So, I don't know. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's a crazy world. But on to uh, By the Numbers weekly segment, where we cover the top 10 grossing films in the United States of America, and also the occasional flops that do occur in modern cinema. And this week was a down week. Yeah, slow week. Of the Super Bowl. Yeah, they say I think it was an estimated 8% less than uh, what a normal weekend would have been without the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that may be not be a huge number, but it is for box office. Yeah. Uh, but, but then again, I don't think there was really any major releases this weekend. So. Not really. Well, number I'll, I'll start it off this Go time. For it. Number five is uh, the Nicholas Sparks... 
edition. You can the new Nicholas Parks joint. Slit my throat right now. The choice from Lionsgate uh, grossed just over six million, six million fifty thousand. This is its opening weekend, which is its total gross of that number. And on a $10 million budget, so they don't have too far to go. They knew they weren't going to make shit with this. No, the trailer looks absolutely... I didn't even hear... I, I, I looked at the showtimes last week, and I saw this movie on the list, and I'm like, what is this? And mm -hmm. I didn't even look it up, so I just learned right now that it's a Nicholas... What's his name? Sparks book. Sparks, yep. Good for him. Okay, uh, number four is The Revenant with a weekend gross of $6.9 with a total of $149 million. On a $135 million budget. We've said everything that could have been said about this. Yep. Good business there. Very popular yeah. movie. And they'll do good in the DVD market, too, so they'll make their money back. I think so. Um, number three is the perennial Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Uh, this past weekend, it did just a little bit more than The Revenant. Um, $6,973,000. Total gross, astronomical, $906,044,000 on a $200 million budget. This is its eighth week on this list. First movie to ever cross nine hundred million domestically, and I will add that I went and saw it again this weekend. Yep, I saw that. <laughs> so, yeah, and I believe it crossed two billion domestically. I mean, internationally. Uh, internationally. Yep. Awesome. Okay, so then number two then is Hail Caesar, movie we talked about today. I made eleven point three million dollars this weekend. Uh, so that's a total gross as of now, and a $22 million budget. So I think despite all of its major actors and stuff, I think a lot of people kind of got the sense that... I think they actually did a pretty good job uh, with the trailers for this movie, too, kind mm -hmm. of showcasing the type of humor it is. So unfortunately, I don't think this is going to make very much money. I think we'll see it drop off when, within a week or two. Yeah, and again, this is a good example of kind of the reporting media on cinema numbers and on cinema. Mm. People were saying this is the Coen Brothers' biggest financial flop ever, but in reality, they've made 50% of their budget. Well, not just that, but I think it's easy to rag on somebody like the Coen Brothers, but what so, anybody who says that, what they fail to understand about people like the Coen Brothers is that they can make make three flops in a row and they would still get as much money as they wanted for their next movie and all of the actors they wanted. Because think about all the actors we listed before for a budget of $22 million, Incredible. That's like half of what Johnny Depp asked well, for in a movie. Because people want to work for them. Exactly. They yeah. want to work with the Coen brothers. And despite this not being a box office success, I guarantee whatever they make next will be exactly what they want to. Because it takes one out of every five of their movies to be something like True Grit, which makes huge amounts of money mm -hmm. they may, they need one hit on a tiny budget they're just powerhouses of of, of the industry yeah and find i mean find me a studio especially on this list there's all the big ones find me one that's not scratching and crawling to work with them yeah and you'd be hard anybody would and they would give them as much even if their movie was a flop this this movie in particular maybe won't be some critical darling and it probably won't win any awards but like we had said we both foresee this movie being a movie that people talk about for a long time yeah and then number one for a second week in a row, Kung Fu Panda Trace 3, um, with a weekend gross of $21.2 million, bringing its total gross to just north of $69 million on a $145 million budget. And that does sound like a flop, but again, this is another DVD, or blue, I should just start saying Blu-ray, because yeah, DVDs are phased out. But also, yeah, and again, you know, it, it, yeah, it's made, what, just under $70 million. Maybe it'll it'll probably make its budget, but I also think that since it is the only kids movie playing right now, it makes it stay in the top five for a while because I don't think there's anything to compete with it in the near future. No. So it's that movie that kids you can take your kids to see, and I do from what I understand, uh, it's not bad for adults either. It's got enough humor and action and great visuals that uh, it's not just the kind of movie for kids. So. Yeah, it's cool they've kind of transitioned kids' movies to do that because parents are used to be like, you're just dragged to this. And I, I'd have to rewatch like the Home Alone series and stuff like that because I just remember dragging my parents to see that and different kids' movies and like see if there's anything for adults in there. I don't know that there is. Yeah, Home Alone? Yeah, dude. I'm like, I'm 25 and I love that movie. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time. Okay. Going back to, I think I did like a couple Christmases ago. I did like a Home Alone marathon. You watched both of them. Yeah. Is that a marathon to you? Oh yeah, not no. <laughs> hey man, I I, I made it almost to the end of the Lord of the Rings. 
Ugh. There's some crazy marathons out there. I do a 24-hour movie marathon once or twice a year. And that's where you sit and watch 24 hours of movie in one sitting without sleep. It's stupid and irresponsible, but it's fun. That's, yeah, that's rage <laughs> you in the went, cage You right hung there. out with me during one of them, remember? When I lived in my apartment. Okay, so the And apartment. you came over and we watched Spring Breakers and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's right. And you spilt that beer all over your car and you thought you were going to get arrested. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember, oh man, I remember that. And it was like raining out. Yeah. Yeah. I was inside all day, so I don't know. Like I said, I was watching movies for 24 hours. That's crazy. And I remember you. And then spring, yeah, spring break. Oh, my God. Bizarre. That is a bizarre movie. Anyhow, yes. we will be right back again in the breaks. You're hearing music from Sia's latest album. This is acting. Google Google image, the album cover. It's weird. It's bizarre. Uh, but Weekly Neurosis will be right back. Album of the week is coming up. We're right back. just said Kevin Smith and making <laughs> humans into walruses and I'm, I'm on that man. Tusk. We were talking about the movie Tusk. It's on my weekend watch list. It's got walrus slapping. In it. <laughs> Canada. Whoop. Anyhow, back to album of the week. This is the acting episode. I just did that in total reverse order. Yeah. That's how it goes. Funny. We can do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. But um, the album of the week this week was Sia with This Is Acting. Um, and this is actually her seventh album for the electro-pop, it's her genre, uh, Artisia. And this is the follow-up to her 2014 album, 1,000 Forms of Fear, which was kind of her breakout uh, album, and she gained tremendous popularity from that. The album was recorded at random recording sessions from 2014 to 2015, um, and was ready to go shortly after the re release of her last album, as I mentioned, 1,000 Forms of Fear but she waited to release it until this year. Um, some recording and production notes. Um, as far as we know from sources, she didn't have any involvement with writing the songs. Uh, the songs were um, that are featured on this album were rejected by Rihanna and Adele, amongst others, as they said. But um, what did you think of this? Um, I thought it was all right. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to mainstream pop music, I... I can kind of struggle with it because I think a lot of it sounds immensely similar. I have trouble distinguishing music. I think a lot of this type of music, this very clean, perfectly produced pop music, uh, can be super forgettable. And that's kind of the case with this album. There's two or three songs that I really liked that I was playing over and over again. I thought they were catchy and emotional. Uh, and there was one or two other songs that I thought were all right, but the rest of it I could take or leave with a couple of these songs. I straight up hated. I straight mm -hmm. up did not uh, like. And like a lot of pop albums, it doesn't really work as an album. It's definitely a hodgepodge of songs. And since, you know, you said about it and what you just said about it and some of my own independent research on this, she's mainly known for being somebody who writes or gives music to other people. And this definitely felt just like a bunch of songs that weren't necessarily intended for her, mm -hmm. but she released her, her uh, herself. So I thought it was just all right. And we can talk more about some of the specific songs, but uh, I think I will say the big positive is Sia herself is a way better singer and vocalist than yeah. most other pop singers are. She really has a good set of pipes on her and mm -hmm. she uses them on a lot of these songs. Yeah, my, my main issue with the album was that it opened with... Um bird set free mm -hmm. which she very much emphasizes the power of her voice but then the next and i think it was like from two to six i felt like they didn't have a pulse not because they weren't like upbeat songs but they just didn't they all sounded the same they all kind of meshed together they were relatively they just something about them kind of blended together for me and then it kind of picked back up but she she is a, a tremendously gifted vocalist um, and doesn't, from what I heard, I mean, maybe a little bit of auto-tuning here and there, but nothing major to where you were like, eh, you know? Sure. Well, it's funny you mentioned the first six songs because those were, like, my favorite ones. Yeah. The second song on there, Alive, was hands down my favorite, and mainly because of how good I thought her voice was, especially on the chorus. 
where she's straight up belting out the the lyrics and like her voice is cracking and it was super emotional. I listened to that song like 20 times in a row the other day because it just it just made me feel good and mm -hmm. it, it made me feel really positive. So I kept playing it over and over again. And uh, the song Reaper too, which I think was produced by Kanye West. I think I read on the... Well, there, for a couple of her songs, the credits have like seven or eight people. Yeah. Like 88 Keys and Kanye, because I know he works with 88 Keys, but mm -hmm. like just, I, I have no idea. I, I really I don't understand how that many people could have produced a song. Yeah, but. I know. It's weird. But that song Reaper, it was one of the maybe the more simple songs that maybe only had mm -hmm. one or two ideas in it, but I, I, there was just something about it that I just kept playing over and over again. I just loved that song. Those were the, Alive and Reaper were the two songs on here that I think I really walked away from liking on this album. Yeah, and I liked, I liked Reaper and Alive too, and I think, again, it wasn't that they were bad songs, it's just that they kind of, they had the same, roughly the same melody, the, it was mainly primarily this drum, and that's kind of her, her style, but it to me it didn't work, but I thought it picked right up with Reaper and kind of picked back up from there and she, she did some, but I agree, yeah. very hodgepodgey to say the least. But I agree with you with the opening song, Bird Set Free, I thought it was a good opener to mm -hmm. this, that was one of the better songs too, I enjoyed that one, I didn't love it, but then I think the other song I, I liked on here quite a bit was Footprints, which was probably the most emotional and to me felt like the most personal and genuine of all the songs in here. I think it maybe had a religious message to it because mm -hmm. I think it's based on the, you know, the, the story footprints where you're walking in the sand along with God or whatever and then the footprints are gone but he's carrying. That's what the lyrics were based on that story, I think. Um, and it just felt very genuine to me. I liked it. But man, some of the songs in here were awful. Yeah. Sweet Design was just trash. Yep. Like I hated it and Move Your Body was totally forgettable, and Cheap Thrill sounded like a Lady Gaga song. Mm -hmm. Like, it was terrible. I didn't like it at all. And those are all negatives for me, too. And Yeah, it just, the whole, it's not, to me, it's not a complete album. No, it doesn't. You know, and she's, she said in interviews, like, oh, I had this prepared since 2014. If you had that much time to prepare this album, you know, it's kind of a knock on you in a way, because this was not put together well, in terms right. of, like, the whole scheme of a, of a flow of an album especially saying you, you said it's her seventh studio album and she and i know she had just really burst onto the scene with yeah. her album previously and for her to kind of squander that with something that seems so huddled together from throwaway songs well i researched that because i was very confused because i heard her song chandelier which is kind of her big song which was like her hit song and i thought initially just from hearing because i don't listen to radio and i think i heard it in passing I thought it was like Rihanna because it, it sounded similar. very similar and that's what I thought and somebody said no it's this woman Sia hmm. and I researched her and she was releasing way back for her first you know three or four or five albums these kind of offbeat just didn't work they were kind of more artsy weird mm, sure, music sure. that didn't make a lot of sense from what I can tell a producer by his name is Greg Kirsten made her because okay. every song, Chandelier, Elastic Heart, he solo produced both of those. On this one, Bird Set Free and Reaper, again, he produced both of those. Hmm. So I think she, he's the guy that's kind of turned her sound into what we know it as today. Sure. But, yeah, just, yeah, I, I agree with you. She really squandered. Well, yeah, this. and, you know, this was my first exposure to her because I hadn't even heard of her before you recommended mm -hmm. this album. So... Again, some what bums me out so much about this album is that there's, again, two or three songs in here that I really liked. Like, I really, really like that mm -hmm. I'll probably keep on my computer, on my iPhone, so I can listen to them. But there was just so much here that I just was either totally mediocre or was totally throwaway for me. And her great voice feels like it's being wasted on some of this stuff. Yeah. I And this sounds really odd. I honestly think she could have used a song with her voice like kind of to give it more of a hip-hop feel and actually feature a hip-hop artist i feel like that would have made sure would have kind of brought this around a little there's bit there's no more features and, on, it's all her i think on the yeah, song which i think her i'd have to look back from from what i can recall um 100 forms of fear i think it was the same roughly the same deal well she's got the voice to be able to do it i just don't yeah. think the songs are there to yeah. carry a, a full-length album but yeah, still, so, and, and like you said, there's good songs, there's like singles to take out of this, yeah. but album wise, in terms of the, the spectrum of that, it, it just wasn't there for me. Mm -hmm. 
So ratings. ratings. Yeah, ratings. Ratings. I almost forgot ratings. What would you rate this? <laughs> I, I had to give it a 5.5. Okay. I, I didn't. I thought it was okay, but it, you know, to me it's it's the anonymous S section as far as this album's because I think singles-wise maybe, mm. maybe not, but... Sure. Yeah. Well, for me, I originally had this at a straight up five, but after talking about it, I'm bumping it down to like a four okay. or maybe even a three. Cause again, like three, okay, you know, I'm going to give it a three out of 10 Oof. because there was three songs in here that I really liked, maybe four or five that were okay, but I'm going to go that low just because to me, the highs on here were so high and those songs were so good that the rest of it not being good or some of it being straight up garbage is Kind of more offensive to me than just a mediocre album. So I think she can do better. Yeah. And I hope she does. Having said that, I do want to explore her earlier music because I liked her voice and what she was going for enough that I'm interested in her music. I wasn't offended by this necessarily, but let's be real here. A lot of this crap nobody will care about in a couple of months. Yeah. But there's two or three songs in here that I just freaking loved. So I got to give it something. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I really, like I said, I don't know the full story on this, but there's an odd correlation between her and this Greg Kirsten character working together. Because hmm. he kind of pulled her into the that hoppy, kind of dark vibe that Lady Gaga and Rihanna had kind of created in the pop genre. She definitely felt like that's where she, where she fits. Yeah. If I could compare her to any artist, it would be either Lady Gaga or Rihanna. Because yeah. I think, speaking of those three... They have similar pitch. They all are, too. to me, all three of those are singers who have immense vocal talent, but have not to this day put out an album or a project to me that's worthy of listening to all the way through repeatedly. Some mm -hmm. great singles, some really great songs, but if I were to sit down and listen to any one of their full-length albums, I would be bored by it by the end. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, and they, I, was gonna, I said, too, they all have similar pitch. They really do. They all... You know, they all kind of get, they don't get really high... But they get kind of in that medium. Yeah. I don't know the term for that. The octaves they sing octaves, in? Octaves. But I think they're all kind of, they've got to be like one or two, you know. Sure. Yeah, I don't know either. Points or ratings. I don't know what they call that. But um, on to our high priority news items. And you just mentioned, we'll do a little skipping around here. But Lady Gaga mm -hmm. sang the national anthem again at the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that was one of the Better, I won't say it's the best national anthems I've seen in a while. Yeah, she. Um, I, I read a lot of stuff, you know, just in, uh, you know, instant reactions on Facebook and Twitter to her going, "Oh my God, who knew Lady Gaga can sing?" And while I have to admit I'm not the biggest fan of her music, I wasn't surprised that she knocked the uh, national anthem out of the park. Mm -hmm. I kind of expected that because she is a good singer. I just think some of her material is questionable. So I, yeah, she was great. I mean, yeah. and she wasn't as weird as she normally is, so she wasn't just drawing attention to herself in that way. She really focused on the song, and yeah, she did good. Yeah, it was very, very poignant. But um, we have uh, another one. Another we'll probably have to do this weekly now. Another instance of Kanye West fell out of the headlines. We're gonna have a Kanye West segment. But uh, he didn't let that slide. And this week, it's Bill Cosby is Innocent, plus an album name change. Yeah, literally before we sat down to record, he once again renamed his new upcoming album to I believe it's called The Life of Pablo now. The Life of Pablo. That's the name of his new album. He thinks Bill Cosby is innocent and I believe that was his entire tweet. Bill Cosby is innocent. Innocent all in, ex, uh, in capitals. And that was the only reference. Not even a hashtag. Kanye. Yeah, another one. Good old Kanye. Good old Kanye. And lastly my you know who DMX is, right? Of course I know the who rapper. DMX is. Thoughts and prayers are with the guy. He's he, been on my iPod all day today when I heard about this. He, he needs a biopic. He does. He's crazy. For He's been sure. in jail like 18 times. Well, he went from one of the most popular rappers in America to a slew of weapons charges. And in 2004, he impersonated a police officer <laughs> to carjack someone at an airport. It doesn't, get, it doesn't get better than that. It does not get better than that. But he apparently, and also animal cruelty, and he owes four hundred thousand dollars in um, child support as well. But now he, he had to survive a cardiac Christ. arrest. He first responders in Yonkers, New York, said they treated a, I guess it was like a forty-five-year-old black male, turned out to be DMX, who apparently people saw taking these drugs in his car. 
and he went into cardiac arrest. But they revived him. He's okay-ish, and he's recovering in a hospital in New York. You know, I hope he takes this time in his life to reflect and write his comeback album and have it be all about the road to recovery. And... I feel like he could re-release an album. He could pull that off. Dude, he has some straight-up classic albums. Yeah. Let's be real here. Yeah, DMX. Rough Riders. Mm -hmm. They had some classic albums. All about that. But, yeah. Praying so for the guy. Yeah, hopefully he's all right, despite him not, after reading this, probably not the best guy in the world. But, uh, you know what? I don't condemn anybody, no matter how bad of a person they've been. Good Wikipedia read, if you're looking for that. And under his um, legal issues <laughs> section, it's, it's oh rock solid. And it goes, like, by little ranges. Like, it says, like, 99 to 2001. And then there's, like, 20 bullet points. And it goes on there. I, th I love the fact that he tried to carjack someone at an, an airport, which to me is, like, the worst place to commit a crime. Yeah. I wonder what the... Uh... uh reasoning there was <laughs> i don't know if he's got a good lawyer though because he's never ended up in jail for too long holy crap but um yeah on to on to obsessions what are you obsessed about right now real simple this week me and my wife april we got gym memberships to just planet fitness which is real close to our place because i'm used to working out just at my house but it's winter and it's been winter it's tough and i'm slowly recovering from some back issues i've been having because i have scoliosis and it messes with my lower back sometimes so for the last couple of months i haven't really been able to do any exercising and uh i've just felt like the laziest piece of garbage on the planet so we decided to go and get gym memberships and we've gone one i went once and i wasn't able to go yesterday but i'm gonna start going pretty much every day and it's just kind of been in the back of my mind every day like oh man i want to go and because it's such a nice facility they got all nice new equipment and all different sections and everything and it's it's very affordable so yeah gym memberships it's good for you it is yeah. gonna get a little exercise every now and then for sure how about you well for me still still the mixer i'm just i, I kind of want to get it in here and and get it all uh set up and figure out how to use it and get that all worked out but the other thing is my my good friend Justin won't say his last name under unlike Greg. I do believe I've met Justin. You have. Yes. So um, he he went to Holland because he travels internationally for business, and he got me. He was at a soccer game and got me a scarf, which is like the currency of soccer fans. So that's going up on the wall behind me. Ethan's gonna put some posters up there. I keep forgetting. I also don't have frames for them. Nah, I just throw them up there, man. I don't want to ruin we'll my posters. That's true. <laughs> hey here look at this poster but that's that's pretty much it for me man getting cool. the sound on par i was gonna say i'm obsessed with harry potter but i'm pretty sure i said that already a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. but now that i know we can repeat harry potter harry i'm obsessed with harry potter <laughs> i'm rereading the, the goblet of fire third fourth one fourth one and it's the best because you finished the third one that's what mm -hmm. you're saying earlier and the okay. first three are like way shorter than the last four of them that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And I've been rewatching the movies as soon as I finish the books, too, which is always interesting. Because the first two movies in Harry Potter are exactly like the books outside of one or two things. But when you hit the third one and onwards, the books get so much longer that the movies become completely different. Yeah. But the movies do capture the essence of the books, so I think they did a good job with it. But those books get real long, like eight, nine hundred pages. I, I want to know the reason behind that. Of why do they keep getting long? Every series that you look at... Not every series. They get... What do they... Well, I mean, I guess they could stay the same like size. Like Robert but... Jordan's The Wheel of Time. They really peak out in the first, like, five or six. And then, actually, they get a lot shorter for, like, four or five books. And then they get a little bit longer again towards the end. Nice. I don't think that's... Yeah, well, with Game of Thrones, I think we well, talked yeah, that's about... that's, like, the prime example. Yeah, but... yeah. But Harry Potter is kind of a natural progression of... The, the readers growing up, uh, J.K. Rowling becoming well, a better writer. the complexity of the plot, too. Well, yeah, she really does a good job of world building in those series. Um, I get it. I think especially when you're talking about fiction and fantasy and epics and stuff, I think it just makes sense that your books get longer because there's so much. There's more characters. There's more history you're building on. You're, you call back to things or, you know, plots intertwine. It makes sense. Yeah. But now the eighth. 
yeah. installment. Parts one and two, which was kind of odd to me. I didn't understand that. More yeah. information to come. We're, we're like in the infancy of this story. It, yeah, okay. We could go back to that, but, but yeah. that's for another time when that's we find more time. information. Next episode, TBD. Mm-hmm. I'm but, assuming we'll do Deadpool next I was going to say Deadpool is coming out. So we got to figure out an album. And TJ Miller's in that. And he's we've got to do it then. <laughs> we've both seen him live. I've seen him twice. Twice. Yeah. I think you've seen it because the first time we went together to see him. Yep. And then the second time, I think we went to the Friday, you went to the Saturday or something yep. like that. Yep, yep, yep. And I obsess over his podcast, Cashing In with TJ Miller. Yep. I listen to it every day, all the time. You're a long-term fan of that. Yeah, I've listened to every episode like four times, and I never get sick of them. It's nonsense. Yes, indeed. But again, you can, again, still another week. I don't know if people just start listening to the fucking end of the episode or what, but... <laughs> Another week, no one has put anything on our Facebook wall. I'm opening it up to anyone. Or any comments. Or any comments. Or anything. If it's like, hey, bros, loved your episode, I'll, I'll fucking read that. If it's like something messed up. I'm going to post an angry picture of Nate that I'm taking right now. And that's, okay, that's the picture of him who wants you, he wants you to comment on Facebook. Comment on that that shit. Honey Badger don't care. That's right in the picture. Yep. I don't care what you write. <laughs> At all. I have no idea why I'm wearing this t-shirt. That's a good Didn't one. Didn't realize what I changed. Yeah, that's weird. Into. That's a little weird. That's okay. But, um, yeah. So that's, that's it. This, that's it. Acting. In this, the books. This was acting. This wasn't Weekly Neurosis. Mm-hmm. And that po- photo is now published on Facebook. <laughs> uh, you can see the Goodfellas poster on the wall. That's not hung up. <laughs> Oh, ridiculousness. All right. Everybody, Weekly Neurosis, I'm Nate. I'm Ethan. And we will be back next week. Until then, please, everyone, take care.